Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Welcome to the podcast, conscience that made us. Interviews and stories, tales from the bus. We love taking you back to when it all went down. The greatest live shows and that cheering crowd sound. It's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. Hi, I'm John from John Battersby Band. Um, you're listening to Concerts That Made Us. We've uh, been talking about our new album, Stone Figures.
guys. You're very welcome to concerts that made us. Thank um, you. So good to be here. I'm looking forward to diving into your music now over the next bit. So, John, you're known for your years with Red Tape Riot. You're back with a bang with the John Battersby band. Can you tell us all about it? Um, yeah. In fact, actually, Mark was also in Red Tape Riot. He was the drummer. Um, but when I first started um, this project um, for the first sort of year and a half, it, it was actually a different drummer. And then somewhere along the line, Mark and I spoke and I said, me and a new drummer in. So, so Mark came in. Um, but yeah, basically, um, after Red Tape Riot, took about a two-year break. Um, um, had been playing for so long in various bands and acts that I decided to, I, I just needed a break. just needed to get away. And actually didn't know what I was going to do um, after that and what kind of music and if, if I was going to get back into playing. And then sure enough, I got the bug and I started to play a little bit and try. And then suddenly I had a sort of a vision of what I wanted to do and create something really authentic and something that's sort of very true to, to me and what I want to do. Um, and then I wanted to get together a group of people who wanted to share that and, and wanted to create something with me. So it just came from there and it was a slow process. And then, yeah, after about six months, I was in the room writing music with people and Clifton was the original guy who joined me on lead. Yeah, some guys before that. Though. Yeah, Justin yeah. actually used to come to no, our band right. room at Ray Tip Riot to come check out what the vibe was. So yeah, long. it's a very close-knit family. Right, right. And what was it like trying to find members for the band? Was it easy, I suppose, because all the years you have in the industry? Um, it was actually, I think, as I say, Tristan was watching our band in the, at, at band practice. He just popped in. Wouldn't he? I didn't, at first, I didn't really know that he actually played guitar. And now I realized that he's like ridiculous on guitar. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, so I called him and then there was another guy who played in a band with me about 15 years ago. I called him to come and I said, do you want to play some drums? And the same there was a guy who filled in for three months in Red Tape on guitar, so I called him. And those are the original, original guys. Um, and then slowly but surely, as you know, when you first start something, it's, it, there's about a year or year and a half where there's lots of changes and someone comes in, someone comes out. And um, and I'm so happy I ended up going full circle and I'm working with Mark again, <laughs> which is great. Um, but yeah, Tristan's the, the Tristan and I are the two left from the beginning of the John Battersby Band project which started two years ago. And you released the album Stone Figures on the 12th of January. What can you tell us about it? Um, well, <laughs> it's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the debut. It's the debut album. No, I mean, Stone Figures is, is an album, as I say, dedicated to sort of being authentic and true to yourself and creating creating music that speaks to ancient truths and, and things that sort of remain true across, across mankind and then also about ancient places. So there's actually a place which inspired a lot of the music is a place in this called Cedarburg, which is about three hours from where we are here. And it's an incredible place in the mountains. And there's just ancient rock painting and ancient stone. And it's just, it's an ancient feeling place. And that feeling I sort of brought into quite a few of the songs. Um, but yeah, it almost felt like a return after, I mean, Red Tape Riot did its thing, but it felt like a return to to what felt really natural. You know, it didn't, it, I wasn't trying to do anything or trying to make anything or 
thinking let's make the let's make the radio or let's there was no goal really besides let's do this for ourselves and for the enjoyment of being with friends and playing music that's where it all started I actually to add to that when I was in the two years out I realized what I missed and what I missed was just being with my friends in a band room that's all I really that's the only thing that motivated me to come back is I really can't like stay away from writing music in a room. It almost feels like a puzzle of creating a song, um, a puzzle that sort of comes from somewhere deeper. It's, quite, it's really amazing. Um, so that and obviously live, being on stage is quite fun. You get to rock out, but mainly just mates and playing music. Yeah. You wouldn't have thought maybe like joining a football team or something with your mates. <laughs> Scratch the itch that way. I can't say we're, we're the best sportsmen. We are, I don't well, think. Uh, well, you're a tennis player. I played, but... I played like best sports in school, but it's South Africa, so we didn't really play much football, as you call it, or soccer, mm-hmm. whatever. We didn't really play that much, so no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, you know this country. It's all, it's all about rugby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of the same yeah. over here. We're more into rugby than soccer. But, uh, yeah. you know, the original vision for Stone Figures, how does it compare to the finished product? A good question. That's a very good question. I would say it's quite aligned. Um, I think some of the more recent the stuff that we wrote sort of last maybe veered into what might be, might be called the sort of next part of the band, sort of what's coming next. Songs like In Front of You, that's a track which is almost, I would say, from it's coming from sort of the future sound that we're going for. Um, it will be slightly more progressive, I think, from here. Um, but this, yeah, so this lines up. I mean, people have even heard the influences. I mean, I'm inspired by this album was inspired by my dad's music, stuff that I used to listen to with him, Tom Petty and Dire Straits and Bob Dylan. And um, you, know, you can probably hear it in some of the music. And I just, yeah, I've been inspired by that. But um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's pretty much, yeah, it's pretty much come out the way. What do you think, Tris? I'd say like the original versions of the songs were a lot, a lot more old school, a lot like the influences you were saying. But as we got further down the line, it kind of became a little bit more modern. Yeah. Just in terms of the tones and also what you kind of brought to it. No, it was inevitable that people were going to bring their sounds, you know, to, to the project. So, I mean, my vision obviously of was, see, I don't want it to be, the reason it's not called John Battersby, it's called John Battersby Band, is so I wanted it to be a, a band where everyone's sound is yeah. equally represented in the sound. So my vision in the beginning was not meant to be the complete full 100% image by the or vision by the end. So these guys added a whole bunch of flavor in there, but but for me, it was more just about being super, really authentic, you know, that's what really what it was yeah. all about. Yeah. Like quite a few different members throughout the like the writing process, and that shaped the music quite a bit as well. Just like little bits of little pieces that personality kind of kept. Yeah, yeah. I was going to mention the writing process. Actually, you guys really took your time with it and were very meticulous. Can you walk us through that time? Why it took so long? What it was like? I think the reason it took so long is we kind of included, <laughs> I think we included time that we possibly shouldn't have included in the in the whole write-up of the band because, you know, we started, we walked in and it was from scratch and we're like, well, let's begin. And then there was a year of, of band members sort of being tweaked and things changing and 
And we were actually still finding our sound. I mean, I had the, had the vision, but it wasn't going to be 100% that. So I just had to find that formula and we had to come to like, okay, now we're at a place. And that was only about a year ago. So, I mean, from actually having the songs to now, it was probably, it probably was a year and a half, but it took us a while to get the sound and, and, and to create um, all, all the songs and all the music. I mean, we just didn't have any. We started with zero and I didn't bring any into the room. We wrote it in the room. So, yeah, so it's actually... Yeah, it was, quite, it was. It sounds longer, but yeah, but well, just the thing with the member changes that, like, every time we get a new member, they need to learn the songs and kind of bring their own thing to it, mm. and then we get another member, and you go through that whole thing again. Yeah, it takes a while. I suppose yeah. at times it must have felt like you were never actually going to get to the end of it, did it? With the yeah. member changes, it's actually funny. It's actually funny you should say that. About a year ago, we were like, "Wow, this is really like." This is really tough, but we we actually really pushed and persevered. And I think we just, I don't know, I think we really believed that it was going to come out okay in the end. And and also, I think we did it in a way that other bands do, don't. I mean, usually bands have a few gigs, they play some live music, and then they start to think about doing an album. We did it all backwards. We're going to launch the band live and with an album at the same time. So we basically had to create everything, the whole sound that the live tone everything identity yeah. based the whole yeah we had to create everything all in that time so it was quite a pressure but it really has been such so worth it launching with an album so your first gig you've actually got albums to share with people you know that's what i actually there's actually a lot of there was a bit of thinking behind that is that and i don't want someone to see a single watch you live and then that's all they've got i want the first time for them to come to your profile to find like some music to listen to like there's a whole album now it's like the first time i've heard the band there's a whole album it's not just one song that's something that happens very often these days no (laughs) this whole thing a lot of the things we did are pretty counterintuitive to what is the modern (laughs) way of doing things i was going to say old school but the problem is i didn't give a shit (laughs) (laughs) the problem like another thing we really didn't care about the actual process and the way it was meant to be done I just wanted to arrive with a with a host with a with a music and a sound, you know, like so we know. Yeah, you know. as long as they're done, you're not still testing them out on the road. And the album, the album itself is a bit of a journey from beginning to end. You know, you can hear through the influences, and the, it was quite cool for me to join kind of right at the end and listen to the let's say finished music and you know take on this material and think to myself, you know, what like where does this come from? What is the journey that you're going through? Um, which is quite cool to be able to deliver when you when you encountering you know either new fans or you're playing a live show or whatever the case is. There's this body of work that kind of embodies what the band is and and the influences and quite a cool way of experiencing a band as opposed to you know like having singles released or you know watching a live live band without any you know body of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since you joined later, then is your interpretation of the music or the songs? much different from the other guys i mean one or two songs have changed a lot the others maybe change on the margin a little bit um <laughs> i'd like to think i'm a i'm a quite high energy musician which probably had changed the the mood a little bit so i throw his hair yeah that's, <laughs> that's, that's part of the deal um, i think in front of you is the only song that i really went and, and re-recorded from scratch um because the song changed a lot with my, with my influence 
Um, but you know, it's always it's always an awesome experience stepping into the shoes of somebody else and their ideas and their way of doing things and kind of adapting them and and you know just changing them on the margins. So um, you know, when when John invited me to come join the band, he said to me, Mark, I think you're gonna love this. This is a rock band, and that's my that's my background. Rock is rock has always been my vibe. Yeah. Um, so I kind of took the like a duck to water in a lot of ways, um, because a lot of this is is very inherent to the music that I listen to and the, the music I enjoy. So um a lot of it was kind of plug and play, and some of it's you know, my personality just kind of shaped a different journey on on some of the songs. So um quite an quite an honor to be part of this experience. I, I think actually because of the the previous stuff we did together. I don't know. The first thing I described it as after the first jam is it felt like coming home. Mm. Because when we're in the room, I actually have a bass and, and lead, and then I stand across from Mark. And within the first like minutes, I, I all I had to do was the same thing. It's just a little nod, mm-hmm. just a little thing here. Our communication was all still there. So and I think for me it just I didn't feel like it was a, a shock to the system. It felt like it felt like um, like a comfort to the system, actually. I mean, it's, um, eight, it's eight years of music making that came back after what, like four years, five years. Yeah, exactly. Um, almost like we never left, which is always the the a great tell of uh, of a good relationship. Yeah, and I think that's why it also wasn't such a shock for you either. It's like, oh well, I'm mm. playing music with John again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've got it back. Yeah, I've done this before. <laughs> Groundhog Day, huh? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, when you complete a body of work, such as your debut album, then individually, how do you look back on it in your mind? Is it kind of like, right, it's done, we'll leave it here on to the next thing? Um, it's a very interesting question, considering the conversations we've had. Yeah, you don't want to, you do want to just move forward. I mean, all that stuff has been incorporated into the live set. Um, so a lot of the structures are different already. We've already, in some ways, to us, we play the songs quite differently to what they are on the album already because that's what you just do. But, yeah, I'm not sure. What do you guys reckon? I mean, it's quite a... I mean, one of the one of the, the big questions when I joined the band was, do you want to re-record the drums? And I just thought to myself, you know, somebody else was part of the journey of writing the music and, you know, the, the music is coherent in its intention. So I think it's a much better idea to rather work going forward rather than looking back and redoing things that have already mm-hmm. been created. So for me, I th- for me personally, it's always been a function of, you know, this, this body of work is there. It's a, it's a great set of music. It's, a, it's an experience that you can enjoy. Um, let's focus on creating new material and, you know, experiencing each other's creativity collectively rather than, you know, yeah. going back and, and wanting to put your personal uh, stamp on everything. Yeah, I would say we've definitely moved. Um, we're moving forward already. I mean, we're already booking weekends and and jams to start writing. So we're already in the writing process for the next for the next stuff. So and I would say we've definitely moved forward. The only reason I sort of hesitate a tiny bit is there's one track on the album I wouldn't mind trying to do a remix, a slight um, just getting it mixed again, just not sitting exactly how I would like to sit. But um, it still sounds really cool. But I just think it it had sing, a potential to be a single, and right now it's it's not really uh, mixed for that. So there's just one of them. But but I mean, the other part of me is like just let it be, like move on. Yeah, move we, we, I'm so excited to get writing because we actually finished the songs like eight months ago. <laughs> you know, and I just really want to start making new music now. Mm-hmm. But but um, it. We're so amped to be playing this stuff live. 
it's really fun yeah really yeah fun. that must be kind of a, a bit annoying though you know because for the listeners it's new it's just out now but for you you're living with it for as you said eight months you've got the itch to create something new put new stuff yeah, out yeah. there how do you yeah, kind of deal with it i mean it's because it almost takes a life of its own life so mm. at the shows it feels like because we're still performing the songs for the first time. I think if we performed the songs for a year, it would have been completely different. But but it's I'm still loving playing these songs, and I'm still like each gig I fall in love with a different song at, at gig. So I'm still very it's very fresh in that regard. Um, when it comes to jamming the songs in our own band room, probably not as fresh. <laughs> we probably prefer to start working on newer stuff. Um, when we practice our set, we just quickly jam the set. We put it in all, we, we structure it, and then we don't do the show, and then we we would like to move on to new things. But um, but yeah, live it still feels fresh. Yeah. Right, right. And you know, it's called concerts that made us. So I have to ask you, as a concert goer, what concerts do you think have made you? Ooh. First ever, which, I mean, the first ever gig I went to was probably the most raucous gig I ever went to. And it did have quite an impact. It's funny enough, it was in Cape Town. I was 16 years old. And it was actually, a, you remember a band called Skunk and Nancy? Yeah, actually. Yeah, they toured Cape Town. And I, I remember because it was 1997, I don't know, somewhere around then. I remember it was the year that they won uh, the best live act at the Brit Awards. And I managed to see them that year, and it was an insane live act. Um, but I think from there, there have been some other other big concerts. That one and the last one I went to, which was Pearl Jam in London, that was oh man, yeah, that was not spe- that was not that not normal because they've been my favorites growing up. And after twenty four years of listening to them since I was like ten, <laughs> yeah, I finally, I finally got to see them live. But I mean, I don't know. What show did you influence you guys, eh? Well, there's one the one that I didn't see live, but I watched a live DVD that completely <laughs> changed my life. That was the, the Green Day um bullet in a Bible. That's, oh yeah. That's the reason why I started playing music. Oh man. That's a ridiculous concert. And then seeing um a Buffy Clara when they came down here, that was the most ridiculous concert I've ever seen. <laughs> so good. Nice. I mean, nice. for me, it's quite interesting because I used to own a live music venue, so I've, I've probably watched thousands of bands live. And, you know, the the one consistent thing that exists throughout the shows is just this this incredible energy that's created in a in a live environment. So if I, if I had to pick a, a band, it would be Incubus without question. Um, they oh, yeah. They were here not too long ago. John had a, 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 like a five-year stint of rubbing it in my face that he was him up in London when he was there. Um, I got under my belt now. So um, for me, this is still probably the single best band of all time. But, mm. um, you know, like I've had the the extreme honor of watching probably at least thousands of bands over the years. And you know, the, the magic of the consistency of what happens to a room when the band performs live it's just, it's one of those things that is undeniable. It's just the coolest. So, you know, and, and same for us as performers. I think when, you, when you're on stage and you you kind of got a, a crowd in your, who's giving you, you their full attention, it's just one of the most rewarding things that exists. Yeah, I think that I, so I just realized something as you were speaking. But there was, there, I remember the first like major excitement because I was 17 and my brother picked me up from school <laughs> and he took me to see you too in Cape Town. U2 was playing 
at the Greenpoint Stadium and they were on that. Do you remember the Lemonia tour with that big lemon that opened on there? Yeah, yeah. Remember that? I went to go see that. And I, that's just that excitement of being in a stadium and just feeling like that energy. It was just, yeah, it was just incredible. And I just, yeah, I remember that. I'll never forget that gig. They actually came out on a walkway and they just, they played Sunday, Bloody Sunday, like on the end of this, like right out in the crowd on an acoustic guitar. And I was like, I'll never forget that. Those things happen. Those things have to impact you. Yeah, yeah you know? definitely. Was that the gig that I think um, Springbok Nude Girls opened for them? I think Nude Girls did open for them. Yeah. We spoke to Arno and them. Yeah, yeah, about okay. two years ago at this stage now, but he was, okay. the, that was his favourite gig he'd ever played, but uh, it always sticks in my mind. It must have been one hell of a gig. It was, yeah. I wanted to oh. crack, eh? In those days, I mean, that stadium was packed, absolutely packed. It was a full sports stadium, so like a full rugby stadium, and the place was just I don't think I don't know if I've seen a gig like that in South Africa <laughs> since those since then. Fighters was enormous. I mean the fact that a band can can stick it out for three and a half hours or whatever it was and just perform on that level is just on a completely different scale of, of musicianship. It's just incredible. I mean, to send, send some more bands our way. We've been slightly <laughs> starved the last four or five years. There's not a lot of bands coming here. So I've heard. Uh, yeah, I just I don't know what's going on. The internationals, it's almost like we were on the stop. For the world tours and we suddenly are not on that stop anymore kind of something similar is happening over here as well there's a lot of big bands announcing world tours and they're literally playing everywhere like a circle around ireland and just not it's stopping in ireland you know it's funny you should say that we're not a big band at all but um we um in our recent conversations ireland was actually the first place we spoke about as the place we would actually like to tour really um, yeah we toured the uk with red tape riot so we were thinking we can tour Ireland and we can still do three or four shows in London on the way in and the way out. Um, but then we could probably just tour Ireland. But we have no idea where we would even start to play. But our, our bassist has toured Ireland. Yeah, so I mean, our bassist is, is literally like committed himself to moving to Ireland. So <laughs> it's just a matter of time. We can have a new bassist in about two years. Yeah. Anyone wants to live in Ireland. And maybe the tour goes well, then we stay in Ireland. Who knows? You know? never know. Never know. Worst things could happen, I suppose. <laughs> oh man, it's a beautiful country, so I wouldn't mind. And there's something there's something incredible about the appreciation of music in Ireland that is very different to anywhere else that I've been to, in that, you know, like Ireland has such a, a deep-rooted culture in music and you know, that whole Temple Bar district in Dublin is just, you know, like, I'll never forget, I spent about two or three weeks in, in Dublin, and I remember walking just randomly through the streets of, of Dublin, and I walked past one of those, you know, which is now historic, but CD stores, and in the middle of a CD store on a random, you know, like a weekday, there was a band performing in the store, and I just thought to myself, that is kind of, that is, that's badass, that is where, where music is supposed to be, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And I mean, the world has changed a lot, but that really left a real, like, lifelong impression on me. Yeah, I actually forgot that even used to happen. That used to be like in the town I grew up in, that was like the weekly Saturday thing to do, you know, go down to the local CD shop and watch the local band launch their CD. Oh, awesome. It's really cool. Yeah, actually, and of course, I mean, the busking scene is a real thing as well, which unfortunately doesn't really exist here. Really? Um, but not at all. It's basically mm-hmm. illegal. One, 
um, because, you know, like noise complaints and stuff. Some guys at the waterfront players, some guys. We do have some, I think we would actually, honest, like a lot of like traditional acts and dances and stuff, like Zulu dance and stuff like that. They do like that kind of stuff down at the heart at, at, in the waterfront, which is which is amazing because that's what honestly tourists really love to come and see, like yeah. all the traditional stuff. They don't want to see like some guys playing in a rock band and like we can see this back home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once upon a time when we were in London, we ended up doing a little busking session under under like a uh, what is it, train tracks. And it was just like, hey, we're gonna go do this busking thing and see what happens. And I don't think we had permits or anything. We made, we, like, just, we made like 40 pounds in like 20 minutes. It, like, was, it was the most <laughs> incredible experience because you know, like we just did what we usually do, and people gave us money for it. And it was so cool because you know, like we were literally in and out so quickly. It was super awkward as well because it's not something we've ever done before, but I can see why why busking becomes almost like the, the lifeblood blood of a band because. You know, you learn how to engage with the audience that might not necessarily be interested in what you're doing. But if you if you hone your craft and you know how to entertain people, it becomes such an amazing skill to have. So that was quite cool. Actually. And each and each, <laughs> each coin was like a beer in South Africa. <laughs> like, oh look, there's there's 50p. That's yeah. almost another beer. <laughs> it's just <laughs> so crazy. Oh man! <laughs> I, I wanted. I actually, if I went back with the, with the group, which I am hoping we do, I would do a lot more basketball. Yeah, it's such a good way to. It's if if nothing else, it's an amazing way to make money. I couldn't believe we made that money. We think about it. That means we made like thirty pounds an hour, mm-hmm. twenty five pounds an hour each, maybe more. Yeah, it's like <laughs> for us. For us, that's that's about like that's like eight times the minimum wage in South Africa. (laughs) Oh my god! I know there's guys in Dublin that like that literally is their job. They just Monday to Friday or say Monday to Saturday they busk and they don't even have any aspirations to go any further with their music. They're just happy out there singing covers, making their money, and that's it. Like they're probably living off it. I mean, there's a guy. I mean, I saw them in London. There was there would be a guy in the same place every day. He's there all the time. He just he's basically there and he plays his saxophone. And then the box is like always oh, got money in it. And I think like he obviously lives this, he's living. That's how he yeah. survived. Yeah. And I, I will be honest, remember that. I mean, you're going through the tube station and then suddenly you hear this music and it's actually amazing in the yeah. middle of that environment of like, I don't know, city bustle and craziness and and like. I don't know. It's just a magic. It's like this magic sound as you come around the corner. There's this guy playing like amazing solos. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And back to your own gigs then. For any listeners that haven't caught one of them, what can you tell us about? Oh, this. I mean, we don't even know. It's always a. There's always <laughs> a little element of a surprise. We don't know when Justin's going to do his solo or when John's going to rock out or you know, then does face. That, yeah, Justin that, does crazy me. faces. He does basics when he plays lead, which is very cool. Um, I like, I definitely jump up and down. Mark swings hair, so yeah, you can expect a lot of that. Um, I'll see our bassist just, he really does rock out as well. So I think we actually, in, in all honesty, we're a band you can see really enjoys playing and playing music with each other. Half the gig you look around, like we're all smiling and we're jamming and rocking out and it's, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's an authentic, very authentic experience because we're just enjoying ourselves. That's what this band is all about. Yeah. We're just being ourselves. And it's 
you know, it's almost like even if something went wrong on stage, we would not be stressed. That's the best part, actually. You know, there's a there's an element of maybe five to ten percent of the show that's unpredictable, even to us. And we all kind of look forward. Maybe somebody makes a mistake, or John misses a line in the vocals, or I miss the cue for five every gig. A thing, or you know, like something's always going to happen. And it's kind of awesome to experience what happens when the whole band, as a unit, just flows with it. You know, and I always said the coolest thing about about music is that it's like a language between people that normal people won't understand because you know, something's happening, we're communicating with each other in, in in musical notes and language because we have all this history of making music together. There's this, there's these amazing moments where, you know, like CJ will turn around and look at me because he knows I missed that cue that I always <laughs> miss. And it's just one of those things. And it's just a bit of a chuckle. So, um, but most mostly I think the magic is in that we just all really enjoy playing. Um and when you get to entertain a crowd and you see the crowd enjoying themselves, it just becomes such a special experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in fact, I had a I had a realization not too long ago that, you know, like if I have a kid, the question is, will my kid ever got to get to experience live music? Because in today's day and age, a lot of the kids don't even know the bands that they're listening to because it's a Spotify playlist that is, you know, they love the songs, they know the songs, but they don't necessarily know who wrote it and the body of work that that's backed by it. So you know, like one of my number one priorities will be to take my kid to as many live music shows as humanly possible because it's just something incredible that happens when musicians do what they do live in front of an audience and they just get lost in the journey along the way and they drag a whole bunch of people with them while they do it. Yeah, yeah, actually. Here's one for you though. What if your kid doesn't like the type of music you're into? Would it be no, they're heartbreaking? Not have a choice, eh? <laughs> they will have zero choice in the matter. When you start them from really early, they just have to go along with it. Eh? See, you lot- think that now. Oh, but- lots of families at the adoption centers looking for kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's different how all of us become like came to love the music that we're playing now because. You know, it's like heavily inspired the music that our parents made us listen to when we were kids. And you don't have a reference point. You don't really have a choice in the matter either, you know. Like, it's one of the craziest things. I've listened to a shit ton of Alton John in my life. And the songwriting is just incredible. Um, You know, and I went to like a 70s tribute show the other day. And, you know, you listen to the authentic, like the acid-inspired musical creation that has no click track and no, you know, like process. It's just pure musicality that just gets thrown out there. And I mean, to a large degree, I think, you know, we don't we don't have a choice of what we're influenced by, um, except for what our parents or our peers introduce us to. And that's that's part of the magic because you, you know, you get your influences become your identity when it comes to musicality after a while. Um, which is which is incredible. I mean, what a gift to give somebody. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And back to your gigs then, you know, if you think about all the gigs you've played since you started, is there one that sticks in your mind as maybe the best one so far? Oh, no question. Oh, yeah. The first day, so. Yes, absolutely. Well, the one in, in yeah. this, for this band. Since our launch. Mm. Since our launch was, I don't know, hey, like, I'm going to go, I've got two I'm gonna go with a launch, and then there was this other gig we played in. We played this gig in this yeah, small town, this place called Tarantino's. There's probably only like, I don't know, like, first of all, when I walked in there, the first thing I thought is, oh my goodness, I've gone back in time. There's a whole bunch of people here, like, 
so many rock looking people, people looking to like rockers and everyone bikers, just yeah. rockers and bikers. And it was a gig that we just got invited to sort of last minute. And we played, and I don't know, there was just something about the energy of that yeah. show. It was just it was just surging and it was just insane. And it's kind of it was a good lesson. It's because our energy was so good, we felt so good. The crowd's response was getting crazy. Mm-hmm. People were like screaming and like, yeah, just going mad. Yeah, we were so relaxed because we we literally had played a show an hour before that gig, yeah. and we suddenly got this other one. We drove down the road and played and walked basically walked on set up and played yeah. straight away. And there's something really raw about it because you know when it was the, at the end of our tour, we'd just gone and played a whole bunch of shows with our own PA, with our own sound guy, with our own rig. My, like I brought my own kids. Everybody brought their own amps. And walking onto the stage that is completely unfamiliar and just, you know, like doing your best with what you have was just, it's so raw and so real. And the space was just amazing. And the people had a great time. And the was like random. Like, yeah, it's like Don literally pulled out songs as we go. So (laughs) there was something very old school rock and roll about it, even though it was during the daytime, you know, in like a semi-outdoor way. It was just, it was, it was a vibe. Yeah, it was was so different to the launch. I mean, the launch was lots of people. It was an amazing Massive experience. Support. I mean, it was very magical experience. Super PA as well, like big sound system, just like everything worked out exactly how we wanted it. Great drum sound. I don't know, maybe it's because we're friends with the engineer here, but he just did such overkill on the sound in this venue. It's an outdoor yeah. venue, but I mean, I think we had complaints across the valley here within yeah. like about. about <laughs> <laughs> the drum sound i heard the drum i was like, like oh my goodness man this sounds like a stadium drum like in a in a in like a 300 capacity yeah. venue <laughs> oh my <laughs> it was so over the top that it was amazing. so amazing like, yeah yeah the sounds yeah. <laughs> if we were yeah, to like, flip that question on its head then and you think about all the gigs you've ever played i'll go easy it can be from since when you started is there one you would say is the worst experience and how did you overcome it that's a very interesting question oh it's very clear for me i think i've had <laughs> i think I've all in the early days in time but i can't really exactly put my finger on the exact but i do remember having gigs where Back in the day where we didn't actually have spare anything and broken breaking strings on guitars and then not having a spare string. <laughs> but these yeah. are things from like really in the beginning. And I can't if there was a, st- a gig that I, I think you know, I can't really think of <laughs> I've erased them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I literally trying to think now. I know they happened, but I can't remember them exactly. <laughs> Too traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I just went mad. Nah, cool. I just yeah, one. Yeah, with my first band, we, were, we went to into this this little small venue, but they had like big Marshall stacks, nice wedges, smoke machine, lights, everything. So the 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 band before us plays, amazing show, and then they they like finish their set and pack up everything. Wow, <laughs> everything. So they pack wow. up all the amps, they take the wedges, smoke machines, everything. And then we left there with like a microphone and like oh. a smoke. For me, packing up, obviously everyone's like, okay, the show's done. So everyone's gone. Oh. Oh. like 10 people. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the most, that is, I mean, that probably sounds worse than anything I've experienced. I think that's me. For me, it's, 
for sure a, a gig I played with a, a previous band. I was just sessioning for for a season, and I distinctly remember really getting into my own head um, because I made a mistake, and then you know, like you're overthinking the situation, you completely lose the feel of the music, and you keep making mistakes, and like it just kind of snowballs on the south. And I remember after the after the show, I, I walked backstage and I was like, I'm in so much trouble right now because I've just totally left let the band down. And the guys pulled me up and they got into a big huddle. They were like, Mark, are you okay? Because that was not your base. We know what your base is, and that was not it. Do you do you need something to make you feel better? Because this is not working. And I just I I, I remember halfway through that show thinking to myself, this is a disaster. Like this is no one's ever going to talk to me again. I mean, that is for sure my worst. But I think second after that is, you know, being a background band at a, a in a restaurant where nobody cares that you even make why, why do I think? Why do I feel like there's nothing worse than when the, if the drums go wrong? Why do I feel like it's the worst being the drummer and everything goes wrong? Because the drums yeah, go wrong. It's almost like the pulse and the whole beat of the gig, the whole thing is like dead. There's not much yeah. you can do. I mean... I thought you, I used to think it was a bad thing. I could get a few lyrics or break a string. Them. I don't know, man. I can get through that. But, but the, if the drums mess up, he's like, or well, he snaps a stick and he has none left or something. I mean, what is he going to do? I'm prepared what for that. Uh, <laughs> I think once when the kick pedal breaks. I've done that as yeah. I've played shows where kick drums slide away from you and I had stands go and you're sitting there with like spread eagle <laughs> position. So, but I mean, that that's that easy, like, relatively easy to deal with. I think the hardest was just like getting in your own head and absolutely i don't know if we can swear in this but like work well straight a being a clusterfuck as a musician and the band just keeps turning around thinking what are you doing and you know like you know part of the experience comes from like learning how to recover and getting back into the things that you that you know you can do trusting in yourself and your systems and all the stuff that you that you usually yeah. that's why the Tarantino show was so that cool because we played after playing so many shows and we had nothing that was consistent. No, like monitoring wasn't the same, the PA wasn't the same, but there was just this raw energy that came out of us as a band. So yeah, I mean, so I suddenly realized something when you're the drummer as well, because I actually noticed when there's something on the drum, I always like just glance at me like the and I actually think. Everyone probably turns around each time something goes like the whole band goes. Yeah. It depends. <laughs> yeah, it depends actually. on the professionality of musicians. Most of the guys will take a, a convenient strategic yeah. moment to just glance over in my direction. Be like, I know what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this look. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Don't worry. But like, yeah, we heard it. But it must oh, be funny because every time it happens, you see all these faces turn yeah. towards you. <laughs> I think the more professional you get, the more you learn not to do it in the moment uh, where the project problem happens. So. I, think, I, think we're, I think we're better than that now. No, absolutely. I think we definitely just like, we just go with the flow, like whatever. It's like, it is what it is. Sometimes yeah. I find if you go with the flow, like you can just make mistakes as if, as if they, they didn't happen. Yeah. Well, it's, it's bad if you're enjoying it, then yeah. you're not going to get into that whole ego thing. Yeah. Like, exactly. am I doing job? It's just like, have fun. Exactly. And it's always great. Yeah, yeah there's, this, there's this crazy thing about our bassist because he's a he's a really, really, truly talented musician. And he just has this smoke on his face when you know I made a mistake because he can play every instrument you throw at him. He knows how to play it. And he just like kind of grins at me and just kind of glances in my direction and is like, oh, shit, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> but 
That's why I always love it because I have a smile with him when yeah. every now and then he hits the wrong. Yeah, correct. He hits the wrong oh, and, and he goes like he goes like. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> but he's, he's such he's such an incredible bassist. Yeah, yeah. I'm murdering. Yeah, I mean, behind me is like home because I've worked with Mark for so long, and to my left and right is the best bassist and, and guitarist I've ever worked with. So I mean, and that's it's that feeling is. Unbelievable! Such a I could imagine. Thing. It feels so comforting. I feel so relaxed, you know, at the shows. And I'm not always the most relaxed when it comes to nerves and stuff before gigs. But in this band, I don't really mind. If I if I forget my lyrics, he can just shred a solo, and everyone yeah. will forget that. Yeah. Forget the rest of the band and even there. Talk to your back, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to some of his solos on this album. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's unreal. <laughs> The next yeah. Jimmy Page, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I like the freestyle stuff. Live is even cooler. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. And you know, you made me think of something there. How do you deal with the pre-show and post-show? How do you psych yourself up? How do you wind down afterwards? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> no. To be honest, it really, it really is like. I mean, it's not. I mean, I think we hang out together, but I think we just. I don't know. There used to be more of a routine when we felt like we needed to have the psych. Whereas I think now in our lives, we like we know what to, we know how to switch it on and then switch it off. Yeah. So sometimes, I mean, someone's hanging out with their girlfriend until five minutes before, and like, okay, guys, we do a little huddle and we go on, but we we switch, we lock in. Um, but I think on the bigger shows, there's definitely there'll be a deliberate gathering for a bit of time, and, yeah. and we'll do that. But it's, and also like with a little bit of nerves, there's nothing wrong with literally. Literally like two, three, four pints. Just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just before, just before you just have a little, yeah. Then you just feel it, just take the little edge off, and then you, and then, you, and then afterwards. I mean, afterwards is the buzz. I mean, afterwards is always a buzz. It just you go, anything goes at that point. Everyone's talking at a million miles an hour. Everyone's chatting to everyone, and yeah, we have more beers. Definitely, it's just the way it is. This is why we need to go to the island. Yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> this is actually a pitch. <laughs> I was thinking it's gone too well. <laughs> yeah. And you know, before we dive into the last couple of questions, then future plans for the rest of the year. Lay it all out first. Well, I mean, ironic because we were just sitting with a calendar trying to plan. The calendar the next is couple literally of right here in front of us. Um, and we've got we've got here we do a couple of shows. We're going to release another single from this album. Some good songwriting sessions. In in May and June, we're actually going to be releasing some new some some new bits and pieces as well because Tristan's actually going to America for two months. So May and June he'll be away, and so before that we'll play shows up until then. Then we'll release some music while he's away, and then when he gets back we'll go on a, on a tour again. Um, but up until then, there's a lot of songwriting. Um, basically, everything's going to go into songwriting or preparing for the next show, and that's what we're going to do. And we just want to get the music from this album out. Only, also, we haven't had really much time to do that. We we were discussing videos now. We need to put some kind of video content out, so we're going to do some some kind of stuff which yeah which fits the songs and yeah, it's pretty much it for now. I mean, there's also something cool. exciting about the idea that. In our current form factor, always think of it like the what are those guys called Transformers? Um, you know, this band is shifted and shaped so many times into different guises and different combinations that 
us as a collective haven't really had an opportunity to write a lot of music. We've had a couple of songwriting sessions, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe Tristan will rock out a little riff and suddenly the band locks in with it, you know. But I think the idea that we get an opportunity to just get away for a long weekend and just, you know, just write and see what comes out yes, at the end of it is, you know, that sort of super low pressure, really high enthusiasm experience where your only focus is being creative on your instrument and having an amazing space to be creative during that process. Um, I think that's going to be very exciting. Yeah, we've got, I mean, we've got the unit finalized. So mm-hmm. the unit you know, it was finalized, but then it was like, okay, we need to finish the album mm-hmm. and then go straight into practicing this album for the launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, from a creative yeah. point of view, really can't wait for this unit to actually spend some time together. But weirdly enough, our previous bassist, we were actually going away for a writing weekend. And how this whole thing came about was he couldn't make it. And I said, Mark said, I know a guy who can play bass. And we just fill in for the weekend while we write. And then CJ came in, filled in, well, that weekend we wrote a bit, we wrote some stuff, had a really great weekend, ended up at some random house up the mountain, and there's all sorts of things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and then that was that was that. And then for the next two months, we carried on working as we were. Um, and then things didn't work out with the other bassists. And we all said, we all agreed, like, let's talk to, to talk to CJ to come in for the launch. And then straight after the launch, we said to him, man, we really would love you to join the band. So we have actually had a weekend away together, which that was the first moment for the unit. Mark's right. We need to, we can't wait to spend time just writing together yeah, and yeah. really creating yeah, the awesome. next next um, chapter. And it's kind of cool because you don't really know what's coming either. You know, it's yeah. like something will inspire somebody and I might bring a group or Tristan might bring a riff or, or CJ will bring a bass line. And you never know where that song is going to go and where the, where the writing mood is going to go. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the best part in a lot of ways of, of being in a band and being like co-creators of something that is a collective because, you know, like we said earlier on, there's something about everybody chipping in their little bits into the the collective, you know, um, idea and usually turns into something amazing along the way. You know, realistically, when you're jamming, 95% of what you're doing is trash. Um, (laughs) But the 5% is exactly, you know, the seeds that you need to to build like a, a really amazing piece of music that, has the hooks and has the groove and has the vibe and you know Tristan is ridiculous at writing little guitar licks and complementing vocal melodies so it's yeah. going to be a very exciting time because we don't we don't even know what's going to happen which is kind of half yeah. the fun we've got to I mean all we have really is a sort of core like we're going to sort of stay true to the authentic sound not be afraid to use our influences and past influences in world music and you not be afraid to do that, but we're just going to push the creative envelope a little bit more mm-hmm. next, so we can just get quite creative on this one. But we still want, we still wanted at four to be melodic storytelling. Yeah, you know, we That's still want a story, and we still want melody. Um, you know, so. I was going to ask how different do you think it will sound from this album? We don't know yet. I, <laughs> I mean, you know, like, no. like honestly, I can have a good punt in it. I think it's, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be. About 50% of it's going to be reminiscent of this album because we're still the same, mostly the same musicians. But I think intricacies are going to be a lot more, I mean, especially with CJ, very intricate basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the grooves are going to be a little bit more sort of varied throughout the album. So I don't know. I think it's going to be different, but I don't think it's going to be like 
a complete different band. Yeah, I think I think all cool, all of the songs include a melodic journey mm-hmm. and uh, a storytelling vibe. So I don't think that's going to change mm-hmm. at all. I think all of us have that in common in terms of the music that we listen to. So yeah, you know, it. how it manifests in real life with the little intricacies around the margin is a very different story. I think, but... I think you're right. I mean, like we can get we can get as creative as we like, but we're still gonna come out with mo- like our sound because yeah. it's still us. So, I mean, we don't need to focus too much on what we're going to exactly do. I think we'll know when we hear it. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. Right, we'll, uh, we'll dive into the last couple of questions. I always finish okay. with some random fun music questions, so I'm intrigued okay. to see your answers. Trivia. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that mean. <laughs> if you could play a concert in any unusual place, where unusual. would it be? Say island. <laughs> that is unusual. <laughs> um, I let me think. Wait, yeah, well, I don't know. For me, Stonehenge is a no-brainer. You want to play it? Can you imagine? It's, being, it's like you're using Stonehenge as a as like, a venue. I've right. never thought about it, but it'd be sick though. Yeah, the mean, that space must be so incredible. That would be my vote. Yeah, exactly. like by the pyramids or something. Oh. You, you didn't actually mean like a live venue. You meant literally anywhere. Yeah, um, anywhere. Thinking outside the box. Oh, okay, cool. Definitely going to be on top of the mountain. It's going to be oh, a huge man. crowd anyway. Definitely, yeah, definitely yeah. in Cedarburg on the top of the mountain. Machu Picchu, yeah. man. <laughs> Machu Picchu. <laughs> Just like everybody has to hike up to come watch the band. Yeah, I wouldn't like to carry the, the equipment up, though. <laughs> no, no, no. I think they have Sherpas for that. So. <laughs> no, I think... Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, on you. Where would you go? Well, pyramids are big. Otherwise, Antarctica, I think, would be really Oh, that's going to be big, big. Your fingers are not going to work, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> but you'd say Madison, Madison Square Gardens, like just before Foo Fighters. That's what we should say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. And uh, the next one, so it's a bit of a weird one. But if you had to spend 24 hours locked inside a room with any musician from history, who would it be? Holy shit. 24 hours only. Freddie Mercury. Uh, I was going to say Bob Marley, but I'm. I'm Bob Marley is a good choice. But I, but I think. No, you 24 hours in a room with Bob Marley. No, go for it. He'll come out of there completely off your face. <laughs> No, I think musician. Wow, I'm gonna actually think of think of like. Do you know what? Just thinking about it now, John Lennon. Not, um, I would say like. I have to spend an afternoon with, like talking to Tom Petty. Yeah, one of my favorite songwriters. Like he would be like, and he was so interesting, and his outlook was always great. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Tom. Amazing guy. <clears throat> and you? You just saying? ブレ、アイデニバディアウト。ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、
Okay. What album do you constantly go back to? What's your go to? Oh, that's a no brainer for me as well. I'm trying to think now. There is one, but I can't remember what it is. What is it now? So just Jesse, do you have one? Green Day. American Idiot is a. Oh, really? Yeah. No way. Oh, dude, I love that kind of stuff. And Green Day is the band that got me out of pop, so I can relate to that. Do you know, quite a lot. one of my favorite albums ever, which I'll never stop listening to, is Pearl Jam versus that album. Understandable. The recording is so raw and so like. I mean, Pearl Jam Yields was my teenage life, so that's a good one. Yeah. I think, um, you know, there's so many. I think if I had to pick one album, Incubus Morning View, without yeah. question. It's just such a magic piece of experience. It's actually one I haven't listened to in a couple of years now. Oh, man, it is yeah. such a great... If you get to watch the DVD, sink your teeth into it, because it is quite quite something. You know, if a band goes and rents this kick-ass house somewhere, I'm assuming in California, and gets the right music in a home that they rented for six months and then do a live show afterwards of the material they just created and document it in a DVD is just the life. <laughs> mm, definitely, definitely. And there's some some epic albums out there. Bob, Mar- Bob Marley definitely comes into it as well. <laughs> system of Down. Yeah, well. System yeah. is going to yeah, be yeah, actually. Joy, <laughs> It's hard to narrow it down. Mm. Listen, guys, it's been an absolute blast. Now, genuinely, this is the most fun I've had in a long time. Thanks. Yes. Uh, very good. No, thanks. It'll be even better. Thanks so much for
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here.